Superman Forever Radio, Episode 110, Lex Luthor, Greatest Criminal Mind of Our Time. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the infant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Superman Forever Radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a podcast where I talk about Superman from 1938 to rebirth and beyond. Tonight I'm going to be talking about Lex Luthor, the greatest criminal mind of our time. Well, according to Lex. (laughs) Now, I had a really long intro about other things and some chit-chat and some catching up and some emails and stuff, Uh, but I'm re-recording the opening because the show got really long uh, because I'm actually going to be talking about three issues tonight, which is really unusual, but it was unusual for this period of time in Superman comic books in 1963-64 for a storyline or a plot idea to continue over three or four separate issues. So I'm going to be talking about that a little later in the show, and I just wanted to make this a little bit of a quicker opening than I than the 18 to 20 minute opening that I had uh, done previously. So I'll make it real quick. But what I really wanted to emphasize are a couple of quick things. One, Superboy Forever. I still have no home for it yet. And uh, I'll be working on that a little bit behind the scenes, hopefully in the next few weeks to see if we can find a home and what, you know, and firm up some of those plans. Email show will um, come a little later. So get those in to bob at supermanforever.com. Oh, and one other thing, speaking of email, this is not really part of the email thing, but uh, in last time, in the last episode of the Superman Forever Radio podcast, I left out, not accidentally, but on purpose, I didn't say the name of Clark's first boss, or the name of the newspaper he worked for. And Dave McElvinney was the first to send in email, getting it right. And Mark Lax was the first to hit the Facebook page with the right answer. Of course, that's George Taylor, first editor of the Daily Star. I think both are back into continuity. At least both were back into continuity as of New 52. Hasn't been mentioned in Rebirth yet, if I remember correctly. But both of those might still be back into continuity. But... Nice job, Dave McElvinney and Mark Lex. Of course, I think most of us knew that. Most Superman fans would know that. Okay, that's it. And actually, for the next couple of episodes, the openings will be rather brief because of the the, the content. What will be the content? Does, well, uh, this one is uh, all about Lex Luthor. Then between my Lex Luthor episode and what will be a similar episode about Brainiac, Uh, In between the two, I'm going to sandwich a Superman Forever Spotlight episode, spotlighting Mort Weisinger with a couple of interviews and some other things. And that's going to be a rather long episode as well. So the chit chat up front here will be very short. In fact, I think I've said everything I need to say. So right after this, be back with 
Lex Luthor, greatest criminal mind of our time, of our time. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's Superman Superman Movie Movie Minute. Minute. Chris Franklin and Rob Kelly take you on a journey through time and space, examining five minutes at a time, the greatest superhero movie of all time, 1978's Superman. Coming soon to a podcast network near you. You'll believe five minutes can fly. Lex Luthor, greatest criminal mind of our time, of our time. Is that getting old yet? <laughs> Luthor made his first appearance in Action Comics number 23 in 1940, so just slightly under two years of Superman comics. Well, two years of Action Comics, 22 issues, and uh, roughly 10 issues of Superman comics. So what can we do there? With action, there was one story. So we've got 22 stories plus 10 issues times 330. See where I'm going here? So roughly we've had about 52 stories, Superman stories, before we see the first appearance of Luther. And I say Luther because he he wasn't called Lex originally. He was just Luther, a criminal scientist. Fantasy. I mean... The first Luther was, you know, had uh, flying cities and dirigibles and ray guns. And it's very science fiction, the first Luther. And originally, he had red hair, and then a coloring mistake, he had blonde hair, and then another mistake, and he was bald. And it stayed that way from that point on. And for most of the first couple of years, actually, he was just Luther. And, uh, and I said Luther, not Luthor, because uh, there were several typos, I guess. Letterer sometimes would spell it E-R, sometimes most of the time was O-R. But occasionally there was an E-R in there. I even have an issue, one of my own issues. Superman number 43 has a Lex Luthor story in it. First Lex Luthor story I ever read was in that comic. And there's a panel in the second or third page of the third story, and he spelled Luther. So he just went by the name Luthor for a while until finally, uh, at one day, not finally, but at, at, at some point, a reader actually uh, wrote to the editor, to the letter column, and said, hey, what's Luther's first name? And Mort Weisinger, being a big fan of alliteration, and kind of gets the credit for uh, for adding to the LL, not just the alliteration, but the whole LL thing. So, uh, loving the LL thing, and this is pre-Lana Lang, too, by the way. At one point when the reader said, what is his name, first name, Mort Weisinger, said Lex, and kept the LL thing going. Now, Action Comics number 23, Luther's first appearance, uh, is also uh, memorable for another little piece of trivia. In Action Comics number 23... For no reason given in the story or editorial or any other reason. It's just, boom, here it is. It's been almost two years working for the Daily Star, and now, boom, it's called the Daily Planet. George and Clark and Lois now work for the Daily Planet. So it's Action 23 
pretty famous comic. And I thought about doing that story today, but then I'm going to talk a little bit about Lex in some other areas too before we get to the stories I've picked out for us today. But Luther has been an amazing character. And as I said, started out as a science fiction almost, evil criminal genius scientist. And he pretty much stayed that way even through the 60s. Just an, an evil criminal genius. You know, that was his goal is to create big crimes until uh, the real hatred of Superman kicked in. In the early days, there wasn't this hatred of Superman other than Superman got in the way of him, uh, of his ultimate goal of whatever it was, world domination or uh, whatever the evil scheme was. It wasn't always pointed at Superman other than the fact, as I said, Superman stood in the way of his ultimate goal. It came later when uh, the goal pretty much switched from creating a crime to just creating the crime to get Superman. That was it. Then it became just this obsession with Superman. And even today, it was the exception. It was the obsession with the alien. So they kind of made Luther an alien racist. So he has changed and and uh, stayed, like I said, pretty much stayed as a criminal genius until the John Byrne reboot of the uh, mid-80s, where they brought in the business aspects of him being uh, still a genius, still really, really smart. But he would buy uh, other scientists and, and other people. He, they added money to him. So he no longer had to rob a bank to get money to pull off his scheme. And this brings us to something that even from the beginning, that I will say this, and this may be controversial. I don't know. I don't know. You never know what's going to be controversial out there. You just never know. But to me, one of the interesting points of Luther is that unlike any other superhero's arch villain, I can't think of another one, particularly in the DC universe. After I say this, somebody maybe in the Marvel universe will let me know if, if one of the superheroes over there has anything close to what I'm going to uh, classify or say, tell you about Lex Luthor. No other superhero's arch villain has come to be part of the regular day-to-day -day cast members like Lex Luthor. Originally, it was, you know, every few months or so or twice a year, two, three times a year, he'd pop up. There'd be a Lex Luthor story. Superman would catch him, put him back in jail. End of discussion. And then move on to some other criminal or problem, much like uh, Batman's foes, the Joker, the Riddler, the Penguin. We don't see them every day in every issue or in every episode of Lois and Clark, or every episode of Superboy, or every episode, or, uh, uh, or every issue of modern comics. I don't know of any other villain who has become a regular cast member, regular data. You don't see the Joker every time, all the time. It's not every day, you know? Uh, it just doesn't happen. But Luther has become as important to the Superman cast as Lois Lane. And in many issues for the New 52, there was more Luther than Lois. Uh, even now, Luther is still wearing the S-shield. Luther is a big deal. No other villain, Superman for Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, none of them became a day-to-day -day member of the regular cast. Now, some of that we have to, we have to, uh, we owe that kind of a thing of him being a regular cast member uh, to kind of a conglomerate, things that happened in the noughties, 
90s and uh, 2000s. And we'll, we'll start with John Burns, mid-80s, where he brought in the business aspects of Luther and uh, kind of changed his character a little bit. But then they doubled down on that in the Superman the Animated Series, where Lex is right there in the pilot, He's be- and he is a regular day-to-day. He's in as many episodes, as I said, practically as, as uh, Lois and Jimmy. He, he is ever-present omnipresent he's always there lex luther and of course uh lois and clark and then again smallville there were three or four or five seasons in a row there where smallville on smallville where the show was being carried on you know in my mind it was it was michael rosenbaum that was the that was the it was his show <laughs> yeah which brings me to the live action lex luthers there have been 17 17 actors to either play live action or voice the animated versions of Lex Luthor. Lyle Talbot being the first in Adam Man versus Superman. And then it just goes right down the list. I mean, there are so many really good Lex Luthers. And not all of them have taken their hair off. Anyway, we have Lyle Talbot playing him first in Adam Man versus Superman. Stan Jones, animated version for Super Friends. And, of course, Gene Hackman in the Superman, uh, the movies. Gene didn't take his hair off. I know, he looked like he did, but he didn't shave his head. That was a bald cap at the end. Greatest criminal mind of our time. Yes, 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 yes. Then we had two Lex Luthers in the Superboy series, Scott Wells and Sherman Howard in the... uh, Late 80s, 1988, 89. And Michael Bell, Superman the Animated Series. Of course, John Shea with Lois and Clark. And John, of course, did not uh, shave his head either. One of the most familiar voices who animated uh, Superman in so many of these is Clancy Brown. Just terrific, terrific job. And possibly my favorite. It, 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 it varies between, well, I'm not even going to say who the other, but it, he always floats to the top. I just think his portrayal on Smallville of Lex Luthor is just really hard to beat. And, of course, that's Michael Rosenbaum. Just so, so good. And in Superman Brainiac Attacks, who just recently passed away within the last week or so, Powers Booth, uh, excellent job there. Of course, Kevin Spacey with Superman Returns. James Marsters for in Superman Doomsday, Chris Noah in Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, Anthony LaPaglia, All-Star Superman's Luther, Kevin Michael Richardson, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Mark Ralston in the Young Justice series, and of course the most recent live action Lex Luthor is Jesse Eisenberg, Batman v Superman. And of course, no controversy with any of those guys. All of them were perfect Lex Luthers, and everybody loves them, right? I'm looking at you, Jesse Eisenberg. An interesting choice. Uh, that one is probably the one that varied in character the most from all of the others. All of the others played the criminal genius, the scientist. Uh, Jesse Eisen put a little different uh, twist on him. That was not by the way, my least favorite part of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. But those are the names of the 17 people who have been Lex Luthor in either live action or voiced him for animation. I think I got them all. 
but to me personally, when it comes to Lex Luthor, I still uh, it's it's still that '60s guy. Now, I'm not saying that anything is wrong with the with the other ones or the Burn or the Businessman guys, and I like the Businessman Lex Luthor, particularly I think the animated uh, series of that version of Lex. But like I say, live action, Michael Rosenbaum is just perfect. He was just so good. And when you mix him with Glover, holy moly, the two of them together, so good, so good. Gene Hackman, uh, I pause a little bit when I say Gene Hackman because there were some very good aspects of Gene Hackman's Luther. But unfortunately, the way that they used the, the villains in the Donner movies was as much... Uh, uh, almost, you know, almost comic relief. And I really don't want my bad guys being comic relief. You know, maybe the henchman doing one or two little, ooh, gee, things, you know. But uh, I think the all of the Lex part, the Luther part with uh, Miss Tessmacher and, and, and uh, Otis, I, I laugh. There's still some funny moments and all, but, it, eh, you know, it's just this mixed thing in my head. I would rather my villains take the Disney approach. You know, you have some other character in your cast that will be the comic relief. But the villain, for the good guy to be good, the bad guys have really got to be bad. And take a look at almost any of those original Disney movies, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. I mean, you know, you just go on and on. The Evil Witch was really, really scary, really bad. No comic relief there. But that's how I like my Lex Luthor. And I think that's why I liked Rosenbaum so much, because he didn't uh, play it for laughs. So Lex has just been that kind of a villain to Superman. And I just... I just think Lex is just a great, great foil for Superman. So Superman has a good rogues gallery. But to me, at the very top, it's Lex Luthor. And again, as I said, show me another villain who plays as important a part in the day-to-day life of the hero, Superman in this case, than that of Lex Luthor. And Lex Luthor, by the way, which is going to lead us into the the comics that we're going to talk about tonight, is a very complex criminal. And this is what I love about Lex Luthor. And even in the Silver Age, you look back at the Silver Age or even the Golden Age, the Golden Age Lex Luthor was just terrific, as I mentioned earlier, because of all the science fiction elements. They took the idea of him being an evil criminal genius scientist over the top. People will say, oh, the Golden Age with the Superman who was grounded and just fought street crime and beat up wife. Yeah, he did some of that. But He also fought these great science fiction and fantastic fantasy-type villains. And in the early days, Lex Luthor was that kind of a villain. Well, I said with flying cities and dirigibles and, you know, 40s thought of futuristic stuff. It was Lex Luthor. They put all of that in the character of Luthor. During my time, during the Silver Age... Lex was equally complex. Now, in the, on the surface, you could say, what do you mean? He was just, every Lex Luthor story opens up with him in jail, pulling a plot to get out of jail, to then go and try to kill Superman. Superman beats him and he puts him back in jail until three months later when he comes and does it again. Cynically, you could say, yes, that's true, until you actually read the stories. 
and you look at the stories and you see what is going on. So to give you kind of that idea of what I think the best Luther is, because he embodies all of the good qualities of a good hero, I mean a good villain. At the top, he's a, he's a genuine threat to Superman because he's so smart and his intellect. But he's got to be complicated. He's got to be able to pull off more than one thing at a time, and he's got to be ruthless. And Lex Luthor has always been ruthless. But at his heart, he is obsessed. And that's the weird part of Lex Luthor. Even when he is successful at his crime, he can screw it up because he has to go back and say, well, I'm a win, but that won't do anything uh, to hurt Superman. And I got to hurt Superman, even at the expense of pulling off the crime. So to kind of give an idea of that, that kind of Lex Luthor, the Lex Luthor that's... (laughs) The Obsessed Evil Criminal Genius picked a couple of books from the Silver Age to kind of give you an example of what Lex Luthor was like in the Silver Age at his best. Now, we saw that a few episodes ago when I did The Deaths of Superman, which was primarily a Lex Luthor story as well, and one of my favorite Lex Luthor stories. And now we're going to talk about uh, another favorite Lex Luthor stories, and It's something that is very rare for 1961, 62, 63 DC Comics. A story that has bits and pieces. The main story is over here. Then it's touched on and come back to here. And then in another comic entirely over here, the third one, it's not really part three, but a continuation of that even then switches and goes over to another, which we uh, will not talk about. But so unusual to have this kind of a continuity stretch over four months, five five months, and three or four different titles in 1963. Now, when I say titles, it's really two different titles, but I'm only going to concentrate on the Superman titles and leave the action one off. We're going to talk about Superman number 164, 167, and 168, all written by Edmund Hamilton, and it's about Who would win in a fair fight, Superman or Lex Luthor? We'll find out right after this. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great. So what should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. (sighs) Mike, there are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! Uh, I guess we should do a trailer. I think we kind of just did. Yeah, but it's missing something. Like, you should have added music behind us or something. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great! So, what should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. (sighs) Mike... There are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. 
Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. New episodes drop on the 14th and 28th of every month. The show and the website, www.overlookeddarknight.com, launch in May of 2017 from the Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network. Superman number 164. Cover date, October 1963. Released August of 1963 for a cover price of 12 cents. The Super Duel between Superman and Lex Luthor is written by Edmund Hamilton, drawn by Kurt Swan, inked by George Klein, editor Mort Weisinger. Story opens with, of course, Lex in prison. As luck would have it, well, luck for Lex, is that... The regular warden is um, not there. He's on vacation. So there is a substitute warden at the prison. Lex easily convinces the substitute warden to let him work on the broken machinery to help the prison. Well, obviously Lex turns the broken machinery into this huge, big, battering ram weaponized machine that he gets in like a big... Uh, tractor-trailer type thing and smashes through the walls of the prison and boom, he's gone. Lex has escaped, taking advantage of the substitute warden. Lex gets back to his lair and hatches the plan to this time get rid of Superman once and for all. How is he going to do this? Well, we see a family watching television and they happen to be watching a western And the bad guy says, well, Sheriff, take off that badge and we'll have a fight on equal terms, man to man. And of course, the Sheriff does that. And Lex Luthor breaks in and says, people, people, I challenge Superman to an equal fight without his superpowers. So it will be a fair fight just between the two of us, mano imano. He doesn't actually say mano imano. I added that, but. Man-to-man, same thing, different language. And also breaks in to, uh, you know, and, and nobody says anything. Nothing has happened. But then, a little later, breaks in again. And this time, uh, we take a look at the Daily Planet offices. And they happen to be watching some sort of a boxing match at the Daily Planet. And Luther breaks in and says, see, these two fighters, they are on equal terms in the ring. Neither one of them have superpowers. If Superman wasn't such a coward, he would meet me without his superpower so we can fight this equally. Well, Lois and Jimmy are thinking, well, that's ridiculous. Superman's never going to do that. That's stupid. He'd be foolish to do that. But as Clark Kent slips away, he's thinking to himself, for the people to have confidence in me, I have to accept Luther's challenge. In an alley, changes to Superman and then replies to Lex over some sort of telecommunication system, video system. Lex Luthor, I accept your challenge. And they meet on a mountaintop, just the two of them, and they talk it out, and um, they make a deal. 
So Superman says, fine, but we'll have to find a place uh, where I don't have any powers. And Superman scours uh, the nearby, uh, a nearby solar system that is uh, revolving around a red, that has a red sun. Superman builds a ship quickly, a spaceship, to take he and Luther to this uh, planet. And off the two of them go to this planet. They get out, and uh, once they get to this planet under a red sun, Superman gives Lex some boots that will help him with the gravity, because the gravity of this planet is also similar to that of Krypton, which is a little heavier. So uh, Superman gives Lex some kind of anti-grav boots to wear so that he can compensate for it. And they build a little ring out of wood and, and some trees and stuff. So here they are in the ring. Superman takes his shirt off and Lex takes his off. And boom, they start to fight. And Lex wastes no time. Just jab, fist to the face. Another right cross to the face. And Superman is bloody. He's hurt bad. And Lex is enjoying this while Superman's thinking, I've never been able to fight like this. I've never been able to really let go and hit hard. Uh, I've always had to pull my punches because of uh, the fear of killing someone. So uh, this is really hard to do. And while he's thinking that, Lex is just beating him to, to pummeling. Just pummel, 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 beat, beat, beat. But finally, Superman's had enough. And whoom, a right uppercut knocks Lex out. And he's down. So Superman wins the little fight. And Superman says, okay, great, he's down. I'm going to go back to the ship and get some um, water to revive him. And, and But when Superman comes back, Lex is gone. Lex has slipped into the jungle and has hidden. But he has some stuff up his sleeve and he puts some super growth powder on these trees. So Superman, when he starts to follow him, is engulfed by these heavy trees that are weighing him down. And Superman thinks, wow, I'm going to die if I don't... But then Superman remembers something that his dad had showed him, shown him when uh, uh, he was a little baby on Krypton about the, uh, the, the, the jungle of Krypton and how to escape these uh, huge tree things by digging a hole and letting them uh, go over top of him, which is what Superman does. He digs a little hole there and covers himself so that the trees don't crush him. But Lex has other things in mind. He has uh, a lead-lined pocket in his shirt, which he pulls out some other devices because he's Lex Luthor. And a heat signature finds Superman. And Lex pushes a boulder down the hill towards the position where Superman is hiding. Superman sees the boulder coming and goes, uh-oh, I need to think quickly, which he does. He throws another rock in its path, which makes the big boulder jump over top, and Superman is saved for the moment. He also then starts a fire, which masks his own heat signature and starts to uh, escape from Luther when a big windstorm comes up and is blowing the dust so hard and Superman just can't see. He's having a trouble breathing. He wraps his face around with his cape and tries to get through this windstorm and finally just collapses and has a real hard time getting through this. And Lex, meanwhile, is hiding and waiting for the storm to blow over. Well, dazed, Superman starts to wander through this planet and realizes as he comes upon a deserted city... wow, this used to be a, a, a scientifically advanced civilization, but where are all the people? There are no people here. They must have all gone. But in his delusion, Superman envisions 
Krypton and he sees all the ghosts of the planet Krypton, including his parents, and realizes oh, this is just, you know, hallucinations. I need to get water. I'm dying. I need to find water. When he comes across a couple of huge beast thing looking animal things, and instead of antlers, they have two big water containers on their head that look like antlers. Superman says, well, they, the good thing they're docile animals, and he gets up on top and uses one of the reeds that he finds uh, and uses it as a straw to drink some of the water. He says, I won't take all because these animals need it too, just enough to help me. And then Superman curls up next in one inside one of the abandoned buildings and falls asleep. Lex, on the other hand, takes a different path after the storm and finds another city. But this time, this city has people in it, the people of this planet. And there is one well, a fountain well, apparently, that has the water. And in order for these people to have enough drinking water, they each come each day and, and fill their own little barrels of water up and take it back to their homes. Lex realizes that this planet used to have a great civilization and used to be based in science, but has forgotten how. Something happened, so the people don't know how to use the equipment they have here. And uh, people are trying to grow crops by dragging water, literally buckets at a time or barrels at a time, to water the crops. And Lex sees a big machine and thinks, wow, this machine used to irrigate the crops. wonder if I could fix it. But then, just then, huge birds come and start to attack. Well, Lex turns the machinery, opens the panel, fixes it, turns the hose on and uh, using the uh, the powerful spray from the water cannon gets rid of the birds saving the people and the people gather around oh you are a hero who are you and he tells them and then they take him back to uh, uh, they take Lex back to a place where a lot of the scientific equipment is from the past and uh, give him basically free reign Lex finds a device that teaches him the language of the people on this planet and uh, soon can speak their language. Decides to help them and uh, figures out how to irrigate their crops. He also fixes some of their massive robots and machinery that used to do a lot of the work and the digging and the stuff and he fixes them and uses them as remote controls to help the people and thinks to himself, this is amazing, I'm really helping these people here this must be what Superman feels like, helping people. When all of a sudden, Superman shows up. He finds the city. And Lex says, he's my arch enemy. That's Superman. And the people, if you're an enemy of Luther, you're an enemy of us. Luther, again, says, uh, brings back the challenge that we will have a fight on equal terms. And uh, let Superman go back into where all the machinery is and pick some weapons. Because Luther says, I'm going to use weapons, so here you can go find some yourself. And Luther again does what Luther does and adapts a bunch of his machinery. The next day, they meet in the big arena. One thing after another. Luther uses his weaponry to create a big tornado. Superman uses one of his devices to stop it. Back and forth, they fight with their machinery. Superman uses some other ray gun to do. Luther has a ring that stops it. But then Luther lets go one of the robot dogs. And boom, the dog doesn't get Superman because Superman sees the control panel of the mechanical dog reaches around and is able to disable the robot dog. Then the two of them have a fist fight. 
But Luther throws the fight and lets Superman win. What? So they get back into Superman's ship, and the two of them fly off, and the people of uh, the unnamed Red Sun planet uh, are sorry to see Luther go. But Luther promises he will help them with their drought. This planet has no water. So when they get back to a yellow sun, Superman realizes and asks Luther, why did you throw that fight? You were winning. And Luther says, because these people need water, you will help me, right? And uh, they go to this ice planet, and Superman picks up this huge, huge, like, mountain of ice and throws it at the red sun planet that they were back on and lives up to his bargain, giving that planet water. When the people of that planet realize they now have water from space, they realize that Luther has helped them. Superman visits Lex in prison not too long after that and shows him a picture and tells Lex that the people of that planet have honored him by building a statue of him. They think of you as a hero, Lex, and here is a picture to prove it. And Lex, poor Lex, a great statue of me on the one world where I'm a hero. It was worth coming back to prison. That's how part one of this story. It's actually uh, part two of the story in 164. And you think, and as a kid at the time, I thought, well, this is a, a one shot. And that's how it ended. Superman and Lex went to this planet. They fought, even though uh, uh, Lex had a change of heart and wanted to help those people, realizing that he couldn't, but Superman could, through the fight and then got Superman to send water via a huge, huge, huge mountain of ice to this red sun planet. And Lex is back in prison. Now, in the beginning of this, let's go back to the very, 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 very beginning. Uh, the cover is very iconic in this first issue, 164. A great Kurt Swan cover. And it shows the scene from the story of Lex and Superman without their shirts fighting on this red sun planet and Lex getting the better of Superman as Superman's cape and jersey are draped over the side. Just a really great cover. Uh, the artwork again, as usual, it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Kurt Swan artwork and tells the story so well. You see in the faces again, Lex's anguish at being in prison, his anger at being there, his frustration at constantly losing to Superman comes up with this idea of if we were on equal level, a planet where he didn't have powers, I could win. Well, he did win, actually. Superman was bested in the fight. Lex had the machinery to beat him. He had Superman worn down. The weather was getting to Superman. He hadn't had enough water. He was in the sandstorm. He had to get away from the trees, the boulders. All of these things were just beating Superman to, to death. Whereas Lex was much smarter. 
was able to uh, withstand the atmosphere and all of the other problems and actually found the city of people and was able to help them to a degree, but then realized he couldn't bring water to a planet that didn't have any water. So in order to save the people of this planet, Luther let Superman win and take him back to Earth to put him back in prison. Done in one? Story over? We'll never know what happened again? Mm, Not exactly. And we'll pick up part, well, part three, really, but really into another comic right after this. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Identity Crisis. Lone Wolf and Cub. Hergé's Tintin. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. I didn't know this was going to be the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. (laughs) It's always the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. And the great feats of editing, not yet performed. Ultraman, this is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo. Of how they spoke at length. When I read a comic, story comes first and art comes second. Continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. Those are our people, Emily. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Superman has basically the same relationship with Wonder Woman that he has with Batman. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing would encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. Now, our story continues in Superman number 167. Cover date February 1964, ship date December of 1963, according to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics at dcindexes.com. Once again, same crew, Edmund Hamilton writer, Kurt Swan pencils, George Klein inks, editor Mort Weisinger. Now, this is the super team up of Lex Luthor and Brainiac. And why is it a continuation of the last story that was in 164, where Superman saved the planet that loved Luthor? Which you notice I have not named yet, because it doesn't get a name until the next part of this little story. So for now, we'll just call it the planet that likes Luthor. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But this one is about the super team-up now of Luther and Brainiac. How does that happen? Well, as you remember from last time, since Luther really wanted to help the people of that planet, he threw the fight so that Superman would win and then uh, uh, got Superman to help him furnish water for the barren planet, for the dry planet. But now Luther's back in prison and planning his next escape. So our story opens with Luther in prison, and there is a storm a-brewing outside. Lightning and thunder, kaboom, crash. 
But Luther had stolen some plastic, of course, from the prison somehow, and using other chemicals made a new lighter-than-air chemical, which he fills the balloon, tied to a string, around the bars, up into the lightning, and when it strikes the balloon, creates an explosion that blows the bars away, and Luther escapes. Heading to his secret lair part two, because Superman got rid of the other one. So here's another one, and it's under a big planetarium-type telescope thing that Luther had donated anonymously. And underneath it is uh, his lair, where, of course, he we get a little quick tour, some of his devices that he was planning that Superman interrupted him so he couldn't finish, a calendar that marks the months and years he spent in prison, thanks to Superman. And, of course, the statues of his heroes, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Captain Kidd, Al Capone. Lex's heroes and Lex vows, this time I'm going to kill him. This time, this is it. I've had it. And the Daily Planet, we now go to the Daily Planet. And Jimmy is coming in with some news for Clark, but Clark makes, uh, you know, there's something happening up on the top there. We need to get up there with the helicopter. And Clark says, no, eh, that sounds dangerous, Jimmy. I think I'm going to do it. But of course, Clark is reading the headline that says, Luther escapes. So Superman, of course, uh, changes to Superman. Well, Clark changes to Superman and flies up and saves the helicopter. And they get some film of it. There's an explosion of the big tank that Superman was getting rid of that was about to explode. And it puts little particles all over Superman's costume that are microscopic. And Luther uses that to hone in. And now he can track Superman all over the place. Doing so, he shoots one of his kryptonite head, uh, a missile that has a kryptonite head on it. And it's tracking Superman. So Superman is flying at super speed around the Earth, trying to get away from the bomb so that it will not get him and he eventually does just outsmart the uh missile and it just dies and falls aimlessly into the ocean this really irritates lex again this is ridiculous lex just thinks you know i've had it with this i need more brain power i need something to help me with this so what does luther do takes the machine that he was working on which will look through time and space for the most intelligent people ever And what it shows him is a planet from long, long ago, uh, where the people were so smart, they invented robots to do the work and do the thinking for them. Until eventually, the 10th level robots, 10th level machinery brain robots, uh, took over the planet. And then they, the robots, the really smart 10th level machinery robots, started killing all the humans, all the people on that planet. But then... They decided they needed that these robots needed something to bridge the gap between themselves and humanoids that would not frighten the humanoids so that they would be more readily uh, accepting of, of the robot controllers. So they build a humanoid robot, and we're going to increase his brain power to 12th level, but thought, no, because then he would be smarter than us and he might want to take over us. So they gave him the same brain power that they have. And this humanoid was then called Brainiac. That's right, Brainiac 
origin is told here. And he is a computer made by other computers. Well, Luther is just going, wow, that's amazing. So that's the history of Brainiac. Because he knew of Brainiac, even though they'd never worked together. But now this is new information to Luther, that Brainiac is a robot. Wow. Well, continuing to scan the planet's history, looking in the ancient history of Brainiac's creation, the robots are telling Brainiac that to continue the... uh, Uh, to make humans feel more comfortable with Brainiac, they have gone to their planet and actually have a humanoid boy, a real boy, and who is super intelligent, and have told Brainiac that this will be your stepson, your pretend son. So people will think you're a father, and they will even trust you more. Well, it didn't take long before that kid just, you know, realizes Brainiac is evil, and, and the kid runs away. But, hey, here's an editor's note. What happened to that kid? Well, that kid is the ancestor of Brainiac 5, not Brainiac. And we learned that right here in 1963. So if you thought that Brainiac 5 was a direct descendant of the original Brainiac, well, eh, wrong. Brainiac was a robot in his original origin story. He was just, you know... An evil person going around shrinking things for collections with his monkey. But now this is the 60s version, not the early 50s version. So this is the 60s version. They've changed his origin story a little bit as we get into this. That Now we know that Brainiac is a supercomputer robot who then goes and uh, around shrinking cities and collecting them from the great planets. And we see him being captured and stopped by Superman and uh, put away in a super prison. Well, Superman takes the bottle city of Candor from him, from Brainiac, of course, puts it in his fortress. And then Superman imprisons Brainiac in a super prison on a deserted planet in a prison made of super manium, the hardest metal in the known universe, named for Superman. Well, Luther says, okay, now I have enough information. I have watched enough. And uh, Luther even says, now I know how to build Brainiac's ship. So he builds uh, a green copy of Brainiac's red ship. And it looks like Brainiac's ship, except it's green. And uh, Luther says, now I'm going to go to that planet and free Brainiac. Uh-oh, getting in orbit. There's a- Superman has put all these police satellites in orbit so that it won't let anybody get down to the planet to get to Brainiac, another level. So Luther finds a meteor and uses that as cover and slips by. Lands on the planet, runs over to the prison bars. Great scene here, by the way. Good artwork of we're now looking through prison bars down at Luther's ship as he runs towards the bars, towards the jail. And then whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh-oh, he's trapped. Here comes all these bars coming up, like prison bars coming up from the sand. But Luther has to laugh and think, typical of Superman. He stops me from getting to Brainiac by imprisoning me in another little prison, but furnishes a machine that will give me food and water. (laughs) And then we go to the next panel where Luther is another Luther, and he says, good thing I knew that there might be this kind of thing, so I created a robot duplicate of myself for just such an occurrence. (laughs) 
So uh, Brainiac goes up. I mean, Luther goes to Brainiac's prison and they have a nice little conversation. And the two of them decide, okay, we'll work together. Fine, we'll work together. And then uh, Luther tries to use his machinery to bust through the supermanium bars and that doesn't work. So Luther once again says, hmm... Knowing that Superman would not want any harm to come even to the prisoners, if there is something dangerous about to happen, I'm sure Superman would figure out a way to let you out of the prison to save your life. So they start a fire in the prison as it gets closer to Brainiac. Yes, indeed. The door pops open and Brainiac runs out. Luther then tells Brainiac that he knows the truth, that he is a super intelligent robot. But as a 10th level mind only. Luther convinces Brainiac. This is a great little bit here. Luther convinces Brainiac to let him open his skull up and he sh- Luther shows little schematics of Brainiac to Brainiac and Brainiac is thinking, uh-oh, he knows I'm a robot. Hmm. But Luther says, hey, I'll tell you what. I have the ability and knowledge to increase your intelligence from 10th level to 12th level because your original creators were going to do that, but they decided no. And Brainiac agrees to let Luther open him up and make adjustments to his programming. Well, Luther, ha ha ha, is no fool. What Luther then does is actually... Luther does increase Brainiac's uh, mental capacities to the 12th level, but also puts a shutoff switch to make him go to sleep periodically, or if he tries to harm Luther, it, that can't happen. And uh, Brainiac will just fall asleep. So they fly off to um, search the universe for the other materials they need to bring Superman down and to increase Brainiac's powers. Now, Superman, meanwhile, has been looking around the whole planet, searching, 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 but can't find Luther anywhere. So he goes to his Fortress of Solitude and asks the people of Kandor if they have any knowledge of what's going on, and they don't. Superman uses a device to look into and communicate with the prisoners in the Phantom Zone, and they give a little clue, ha, ha, ha. That And they let Superman know that Luther went to get Brainiac out, and they're going to come and get you together. Ruh-roh. Superman flies off to the planet, the prison planet where he had uh, Brainiac imprisoned, and realizes that it's true. They're gone. Meanwhile, after searching the universe, they find the equipment they need, and Luther performs the surgery on Brainiac. But again, gives the cutoff switch so that he passes out. And once, so once Brainiac comes to and realizes it's, that's what's going to be, they agree to work together. And this time they put the, the ship inside the asteroid so that Superman won't be able to see them uh, flying around the universe doing all the stuff they need. And they go from one planet to another to another collecting minerals and robots and stuff that they're going to need to defeat Superman, ending up actually on the still unnamed planet that considers Luther a hero. And Brainiac finds that very unusual, but decides to play along for a while until he can figure out how to fix his own situation. Uh, The people of the planet are very happy to see Luther, especially his girlfriend, Erdora, and they use some of the scientific equipment on this planet. Well, Superman uses in his powers, of course, to search and realizes what's happened and follows them because he's not going to go down to the planet of the Red Sun again and lose his powers. But, you know, from a distance, 
uses his telescopic vision and uh, is able to see what's going on. And then follows Luther and Brainiac to Luther's lair. He comes in, but whoa! Luther and Brainiac have come up with a dampening field where Superman now has no powers as soon as he entered, and they beat him up, and Brainiac uses a shrinking ray on Superman, turning him tiny. They put him in a birdcage and hang him up over there. And then the two of them actually start to argue a little bit. Well, argue may be uh, a little bit too strong. They have a discussion about how to defeat Superman. What's the best way? We have him now without his powers in a little birdcage. Now what are we going to do to take, you know, all these things? Well, Brainiac is still upset that uh, uh, Luther has put this switch inside of his brain and he's still worried because right to this day now, Luther is the only other person to know that Brainiac is a robot and not a human or not a humanoid, not a living thing. He's a uh, an android robot with a 12th level brain now. So he starts to devise a machine that he tells Luther is a machine that will help them do what they need to do. But meanwhile, Superman in his birdcage notices that the two of them are quite involved in their discussions and talks and pulls out the Clark Kent clothes out of his pouch and his cape and decompresses it, of course, and rips them up and uses them as um, like a long rope and gets out of his birdcage. Now, he also goes back into the part of Luther's lair where Luther keeps his missiles. And Luther and Superman thinks, if I can shoot that missile... The monitors in Candor will know it, they'll see where I am, and they'll come and help. So Superman, tiny size that he is, makes his way to the launching maneuvers, changes the directional, sets everything up, but doesn't have the strength to throw the switch to actually launch the uh, missile. And is straining and straining to do so. And then we cut back to Luther and Brainiac. And Brainiac says, well, here's the machine. I think it'll work. And Luther says, well, it looks like it's just putting out light rays. What is that going to do? There's just nothing but a bunch of colored lights. And Brainiac says, well, just, you know, wait a second. Well, boom, when the light hits Luther in the face, it's a hypno-type ray. And Luther goes blank. Brainiac thinks, ha, now I've got him. So Brainiac hypnotizes Luther and has him go into Brainiac's brain, take out the uh, sleep device, the triggering sleep device, and makes Luther forget that Brainiac is a robot. Brainiac's pretty happy. So the two of them, and then Brainiac, you know, so once Luther wakes up after doing the surgery on Brainiac, and he comes back to normal, and he says, whoa, what happened? Where's the machine you were working on? And Brainiac says, well, I realized that machine wasn't going to do what we wanted it to do, so uh, we'll need to work on something else. Let's go check on our little captive. Whoa, he's gone. And they start to look, but then Superman is able to throw the switch, and the rocket shoots off and <laughs> up into space. Brainiac comes in. They see him and hits him with a coma ray that paralyzes Superman. 
But in the bottle city of Candor, they're monitoring their screens, they see the rocket, and send out an emergency to the Candorians that it's time for the Superman Emergency Squad to go into action. And a bunch of guys, Candorians and Superman costumes, get into their rocket ship. They fly up to the top of the bottle where they put suction cups on their feet and open the top of the bottle, flying out of the fortress, and at super speed, get to Superman being held by Brainiac about to crush him when they come in and save the day, basically. Shrinking, and in the meantime, they actually uh, uh, capture Brainiac Shrink Ray, shrink him, and get Superman down to the right size, because even in little size, he was still a little larger than the regular Kandorians. So they shrink Superman, they carry him back along with Brainiac and Luther to Kandor as... Bells ring out through Candor. Clang, clang. Finally, we have our captor. The one who shrank us is here and will be put on trial. Meanwhile, though, the doctors in Candor have not been able to revive Superman. But the trial goes on while the doctors work frantically. They read the uh, uh, charges against Brainiac, and Luther steps up as the defender of Brainiac. He says, even though I know I'm going to go on trial soon, uh, I will act as Brainiac's defender. And Brainiac says, okay, fine. After reading the charges... And he said, what do you say about this? And Luther stands up and says, kind of logically, that no, Brainiac should be called, considered a hero. Had Brainiac not shrunken Candor and put it in this bottle, Candor and all of its people would have died like the rest of Krypton in the Great Explosion. Well, the prosecutor isn't going to have any of that. He says, we don't know what would have happened, but we do know what Brainiac did. Guilty and will be sentenced to life in the Phantom Zone. Well, Brainiac says, whoa, 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 you want to put me away in the... I'll tell you what, I'm the only one that can bring Superman out of his coma. The only one. You will never figure out how. Let us go, let Luther and I go, and I will revive Superman. Well, the judge says, that's too big a decision for me to make by myself. We need to let all of Candor vote on it. They put out the word and vote, and 100% unanimous decision, save Superman, let Luther and Brainiac go. So they revive Superman, Brainiac revives Superman as he promised, and uh, the three of them leave the Bottle City and return to normal size. And Superman says, according to my promise, I'm letting the two of you go. See ya. Well, Brainiac takes Lex back to his planet that where the people like him, and then Brainiac shoots off into space himself, ready for the next time that he will bring some turmoil to the life of Superman and try to kill him. Whereas Superman then talks to the people of Kandor through a monitor system, vowing to one day enlarge their city.
So our story basically ends with Luther supposedly pretty happy on now living on the planet where the people love him. Brainiac off in his ship flying around doing what Brainiac does. Superman vowing to enlarge the city one day and save the people there. If we go back to the beginning of this one, the cover is just another iconic cover. Kind of a close-up of Brainiac on one side of the cage, Luther in the foreground on the other, looking at Superman, tiny size in a birdcage. Terrific cover. Good story. That was 27 pages. And as you can see, kind of part two of the previous story. But now what? Well, in a few seconds, we'll pick up the story in Superman number 168. On Saturday, June 17th, podcasters from the DC TV Podcast Network are gathering together for our third annual live charity fundraising event. This year, we'll be raising money for the World Wildlife Fund, the world's leading conservation organization that works in 100 countries to protect endangered species and critical habitats. If you'd like to donate and be entered into a raffle to win prizes, head over to www.worldwildlife.org slash go to slash DCTV podcasts. And make sure to listen on June 17th at Mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts. Now for the final, more or less, chapter of this long story. We go to Superman number 168. Has a cover date April of 1964, but was shipped early February of 1964. I just turned 12 in January of that year. Our story opens on the planet that loves Luther. In fact, we're looking at a statue of it and uh, a mother, or is that a father? A father or an adult telling a young child who the statue is, is that it's of Lex Luther, the person who saved their planet from the drought and got their science technology working again, so that now they are a scientific planet. And because of that, they have honored Lex Luthor by naming their planet Lexor. So we have a name of the planet now, Lexor, and they're honoring it. But what they don't know is that this time Superman has a ship that he's built, and he's approaching Lexor in that ship to bring Luther back for his crimes. He can't allow Luther to stay free. So Superman lands the, his ship and makes way secretly towards civilization. Meanwhile, Lex is busy in his lab working and putting the scientific machineries and equipment back in working order and working feverishly as his kind of girlfriend person come. They're not married or anything, but it's the, she's the one who's just adores him. Ardora. <laughs> Says, Lex, please, or Luther. Nobody called him Lex. They all call him Luther. Luther, please, take some time off. Come be with us. This is, you know, you, don't, you work all the time. Well, Luther knows that eventually Superman's coming after him, and he needs to be prepared for that. And sends little Adora on her way and says, I'll join you later, but I have work to do. Meanwhile, Superman makes it to the city and notices all of the people 
worshiping and just yay Luther and seeing what's going on as the people move in there and then Superman goes into another building to hide and sees that it's there are some statues that they're going to take to the big uh, service memorial not memorial but honoring there'll be a big celebration honoring Luther and he'll be there so how does Superman going to get in there ah he sees a statue of Luther defeating Superman so Superman says I'll replace the Superman statue. I'll take the place of the Superman statue. As the people pick up the two statues to take them into the the big uh, hallway, they notice, wow, this one's really warm. But, oh, it's been sitting in the sun all day. You'd be warm, too, if you're sitting in the sun all day. And they, you know, people start to file past and look at the statues in honor, and they're all afraid. And Superman notices that they're all bringing crystals, these jewels, and placing them as honorum, honorarium. And it's and we hear them say that these are the rarest and most precious jewels on our planet. But we gla- and they light and heat our homes, but we gladly give them up to honor our hero, Lex Luthor. Well, the jewels also have a very strange effect on Superman as he gets close to them. Wow, they're beautiful. I must have them. That's right. Superman steals them, puts them in a briefcase, but then says, uh-oh, People are coming. I need to get back in a position. So Superman takes his position back again as the statue. And it's really Adoros, Lex Luthor's, well, we'll call her girlfriend. Lex Luthor's girlfriend comes in and she's staring at the statue. And then realize, and by what she says, Superman realizes, I can't take that chance to wait any longer. I've got to get out of here. And when he moves, she screams and he tries to say, don't do that. I'm really a good guy. But Nobody's going to believe that. She runs out screaming, help, help, the Superman statue isn't a statue, it's really Superman. Well, Superman puts the crystals in a briefcase and starts to run out. People see him and they start to chase him. And Superman goes back to the um, uh, studio where the statues were being made, picks up the Superman statue and throws it out a window into the uh, river thing going by, the, the canal going by the building and the people think superman has escaped by diving into the water and swimming away meanwhile back in the studio luther is perfecting a superhero ray or a superpower ray that that is that whoever it shines on gives that person temporary superpowers and he says i'm going to use these superpowers to finally put an end to superman but oh i hear somebody coming turns it off because i don't need anybody to know i'm that Lex Luthor will be the guy with the superpowers. And just like Superman, he comes up with a costume and uh, a mask and goes out flying around and sees Superman hiding behind a statue and lets uh, the people know where he is and they capture him and put him in jail. Well, Superman needs to figure out a way, obviously, to get out of jail and get this thing done. He has no superpowers and he's going to have to think about it. And Ardora comes and tells Luther, wow, did you see that, you know, that guy, the super guy called the Defender? And, and Luther has just gotten his costume off and he's still kind of sweating. And, and, and she thinks, wow, are you? And he, no, i am just been working so hard. I can't. It's just, a, hey, I'll tell you what, let's go take a visit, walk uh, Ardora and pay a visit on my foe Superman in prison. He's being guarded by these robots, so he won't be able to get out. He'll be there forever. And Luther and Adora walk away. Superman says, oh, 
Oh, so the robots have been programmed to do that. That means they can be programmed to do other stuff. But I gotta get out of here. How am I gonna do it? So Superman takes his cape off, makes a loop out of it, ties it to the bars, and then loops it over the robot's head as he walks by and the robot pulls the bars off. Superman jumps on the robot, opens the panel, and reprograms the robot. And the robot goes about doing its sort of thing and um, uh, bringing the jewels that Superman programmed it to do, capture all those jewels and bring it to Superman at his ship. In the meantime, Lex Luthor once again hits himself with the superpower ray, sees the robot walking with the jewels, and the people say, get him, get him. And Defender says, no, he's going to lead me where I need him to be. And Lex uses his supervision to follow the robot to where Superman and the ship are. And the robot gives the jewels to Superman. He's about to get in the ship when the Defender shows up. Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they start talking. And Lex says, and he starts to shoot Superman with a gun thing, a ray gun thing. And uh, Lex says, just so you'll know, I am Lex Luthor. And the Defender and Superman says, wait, wait, don't don't shoot me. There's something you've got to know. And the jewels are making all those people go stupid. That's what actually turned the planet from a science planet into a backwards, kind of a dumb planet. And they're ha starting to have those effects again as the people start to use them more and more in their science world. Well, Luther uses his supervision that he still has to see that Superman is correct. Let's Superman leave with the jewels which Superman throws into the sun, which saves the planet from being taken back uh, mentally, becoming dumb again, and losing the, what they have, the gains they've made scientifically with Luther's help. And Superman flies off. And we think, well, there it is. That's it. That's it. Once again, the two of them are separate. Luther's back on the planet he loves, where the people love him, and he's a hero. And Superman flies back to Earth, where he also once again, is a hero, resigned to the fact that uh, he's not going to be able to get Luther this time, and maybe some other time he'll get him. So then we go back to Lexor, and Adora is saying, Dear Luther, why are you still worried about Superman? He's gone. He's not coming back anymore. You have gotten rid of him. But Luther says, No, I can't rest until I know that he's gone, because as long as he lives, I cannot be happy here. So... Luther builds a rocket ship and takes off towards Earth. But something happens. The rocket ship is going too fast. And Earth is all blurry and fuzzy. What's going on? And Luther crashes his ship down on Earth. As he gets near the city, he realizes, wow, these people are dressed really weird, old. And a horse-drawn fire truck. What is going on? And then another horse-drawn buggy goes by and a man falls out and hits his head and... Luther says, well, if I'm going to be here in this time period, I need to fit in. So he reads the guy's documentation on the guy that fell out and hit his head and realizes that this is uh, going to be the new editor of the San Francisco Daily Planet. So Luther steals his clothes, dresses as him, and says, I'll take that job instead. That's right. Lex Luther somehow has crash-landed in the early 20th century, the early 1900s, San Francisco. So Lex dons the identity of Cyrus Grote. That's the guy who fell out of the carriage and hit his head and died. So as Cyrus Grote, Lex takes over the duties of the Daily Planet because he says, I need to stall and make some money and figure out how I'm going to get back to my own time and out of here. Meanwhile, 
he says, I'll, I'll go ahead and become the editor of the Daily Planet, the San Francisco Daily Planet. Well, meanwhile, back at modern times, 1963 Daily Planet, Clark Kent is sitting at his desk and thinks, I better check and see what's going on. So he uses his telescopic vision to look through space and time to the planet Lexor. And by reading their lips, realize that Lex has left the planet Lexor to come back to Earth to look for Superman. Well, Superman still can't find him, so he thinks, I know what, I'll go to my fortress again. He goes to the Fortress of Solitude, uses one of his devices, Kryptonian devices, which he says will grab on to the signature of Luther and tell me where he is in space and time. And the machine comes up and says, San Francisco, 1906. So off he goes. Superman, who, of course, in this time period can fly through space and time and break the time barrier under his own power, flies to San Francisco in the year 1906. Donning a costume of the time period, the hat, old clothes, starts walking around San Francisco. He sees, whoa, the Daily Planet. Uh, I heard that the Daily Planet started in, in San Francisco before it moved east. And he goes there, walks right up to Cyrus Grote, who has whiskers and, you know, fake whiskers and stuff. And Superman has no idea. It's Lex and says, hi, my name is Clark Kent. He's not wearing glasses and he's not trying to act like Clark Kent. He's just Superman with a suit on. Walks right up to, uh, as I said, Cyrus Grote and says, I'm, my name is Clark Kent. I'm a reporter looking for a job. And Lex thinks to himself, whoa, Superman has adopted the identity of his friend Clark Kent to search for me. He doesn't recognize me. Hmm. So Lex says, fine, but you'll need to prove yourself uh, with three front page stories before you get a job. Okay. And Lex gives him an assignment, and if you can get an interview with the star of the day who happens to be in town, Lillian Russell. So Clark goes off as Lex looks out the window at him and says, hmm, this is going to be interesting. So uh, Clark gets to Lillian Russell, has a nice little interview, but then something happens outside. Uh-oh, all of the lights have gone out. What's going on? All the lights are out. The street lights and all lights and Superman, using his supervision, sees down that it's a plot and some people are uh, using darkness to rob other people. Well, Superman uses his heat vision and notices that whoever turned off the lights just turned off the gas temporarily until the lights went out and then turned it back on. Uses his heat vision to light the fire again so that, ooh, the street lamps all came back on and the cops came and arrested the uh, uh, the bad guys and... From the window, Superman says, well, this is going to be an interesting story. What was going to be a puff piece about Lillian Russell turned into uh, a real story, which he turns in and tells Grote, uh, Cyrus Grote, editor, what the story was. And uh, um, Luther's, as Cyrus Grote, says, that was just a freak accident. You got lucky, Kent. That's not real journalism. Now... There's a guy fighting other people. I want you to go get that story and find out how he's doing it. And uh, Clark goes 
ringside and starts looking and realizing that the guy is using brass knuckles under his gloves and then says, I'll fight him. And if, because if you can last for one round, you get this and three on, you know, whatever. So Superman, uh, as he did before, takes off his shirt and without the Superman shirt and cape, his trunks and t- boots and uh, his bottom half looks like the fighters of the day. They're about to ring the bell to call it over when Superman falls and bites off the head of the ringer so the bell can't ring. And the guy tries to butt Superman's chest, gets knocked out, and Superman wins the $1,000 prize, which he immediately takes to the fire as he's going back, takes to the firehouse and donates it for the new fire truck. So Lex tells him, as Cyrus wrote, that, well, that's two, but you still need another story to get the job. So visit that firehouse and get a story on the fire engine you helped to paint and fix up with your donation. What's the real story there? As Clark leaves, Luther goes back to work on his teleporter device, which will teleport him directly back to Lexor. It's the plan. And he says, uh, plus, with Superman on his way to that fire showroom, boy, will he get the surprise of his life. So... Superman shows up at the showroom where the fire, the newly painted fire truck is, and uh-oh, all of a sudden, that weird tingly sensation. I've been exposed to red kryptonite. Wonder what it means. Oh no, what will its effects be on me this time? At just that time, the horse that's attached to the fire truck kicks him and goes, ow, that hurt, and he knocked me down. I don't have invulnerability and I can't fly. What other of my powers are gone? Oh, they're all gone except my supervision. I still have my various degrees of supervision powers. And at just that point, Superman supervision sees a boat out on the river that's on fire. So he jumps up on the fire truck and, ha, let's go, and the horses, and they takes him to the dock. Towards the end of the dock, Superman takes the fire truck, but then realizes, I can't get there, it's too far away, and I can't fly. What am I going to do? And he's using his supervision again. He sees that there's a bunch of chemicals and stuff on that boat. So using his supervision and his heat vision, he busts the containers which melt with each other, which basically is the first use of a foam to stop fire. But who's on that little ferry boat? Whose boat is it? It's not, you know? Well, it's being captained by Captain White, the father who introduces his young son, Perry, to the man who just, the reporter, who just saved the ship. And Clark realizes, wow, that's that's young Perry White that I'll grow up to be the boss of, that he will grow up to be my boss later. Wow. And the young Perry says, wow, you're a reporter. That's what I want to be when I grow up. So now Superman, once again, is walking, trying to decide, what am I going to do until my powers come back? I can't figure, you know, I, this is just terrible. <clears throat> so as Superman's walking along the, the street, dressed, of course, in his street garb, he uses supervision to look back at the Daily Planet, and he sees that the people are saying, the boss isn't around today. He's at the waterfront. And Superman thinks to himself, well, then that means Luther's at the waterfront, probably checking to see how that red kryptonite has affected me. When I find him, I'll... Oops, at just that moment, Lex puts a gun to Superman's head and says, I think it's uh, about time we had a little talk here, Supes. And Superman goes, Luther. So they get in a boat, and a little rowboat, 
and they row to an island just off the of San Francisco. And Luther says, this is my teleportation device, and I'm going to teleport us both back to Lexor. And he throws the switch, and Superman goes, oh, big question mark, what? And Luther starts to disappear as all of a sudden things start to vibrate wildly and shake. Super And Lex disappears, taking part of the island with him. And Superman cro- takes the boat back to the mainland, is climbing up, but then everything is just shaking like crazy. Buildings are starting to fall. And the next thing you know, it's an earthquake. It's a huge earthquake. And Superman falls down into one of the crevices, but is saved by Lillian Russell. who throws down a rope for Superman to crawl back up with. They get on a tandem bicycle that was near them, and they uh, go around helping people, the two of them, Lillian Russell and Superman, without his powers. They go to a food line where Superman is quickly using his heat vision to cook lots of food for the, for the people. Once again, they get on the tandem bike to go to the next place, and Superman's thinking, I wish I could fly again, and whoa, up they go, and Lillian Russell says, hey, we've left the planet, what's going on? And then she says, oh, I see, we went over that bump thing that made us uh, appear like we were flying. Well, Superman says goodbye to Lillian and says, I need to go here now, and now that his powers are back, flies through the time barrier to the 20th century, where he checks on the planet Lexor with his supervision and reads her lip as Ardora is still upset that Luther, her beloved, has not come back yet. So Superman says there's something really strange going on here, but I think I understand. So Superman stops and gets the warden of the Metropolis Penitentiary prison, and they fly west to San Francisco. But not San Francisco itself, to an island just off the coast of San Francisco known as Alcatraz. And the Metropolis Warden says, why are you bringing me here to this? And Superman says, well, just a second. And as they walk through all the bars, there in one of the cells is Lex Luthor. Yes, that's right. Instead of his transporter device taking him to the future, well, to the present, and putting him on Lexor, it took him to the future, but left him exactly where he was on an island that later became the prison Alcatraz where Luther imprisoned himself. And Luther says, then this was Alcatraz, and I made a super goof. And Superman's laughing. (laughs) The end. So as we briefly go back to the beginning of this particular issue of 168, we look at the cover again, a great Kurt Swan cover. Uh, It shows Lex Luthor in his Defender costume using his supervision to see Superman through the statue and alerting his people that Superman is there. This is an incredible multi-part story that uh, took place in Superman comics over a five-month period. We go from August, the first uh, Part of the story was August of 63 
with the last part being February of 64, with a couple of comics in between, and then they would pick back pick the story back up. Some people, when telling this story, will not include 167, the team-up of Luther and Brainiac. But I think that's very important because that gets Luther out of prison and sets up uh, another great story uh, where we see Brainiac in World's Finest, who actually this time lets Clayface out of prison, and the two of them team up against Superman and Batman. But for this story, and something else that I think is interesting, and I'm not sure why they do this and what what really went on here, but the story started, as I said, in 164, way back in 164 of Luther breaking out of prison, Superman having the battle, saving his the planet Lexor by getting Superman to throw a big ice mountain there so they would have water. So making a trade-off. Um... But part of this story in 168 now here with the earthquake and all the other things that are going on, um, in the credits at dcindexes.com, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, for 168, it says the writers, plural, Edmund Hamilton and Leo Dorfman, with Kurt Swan, George Klein, and of course, Mort Weisinger, editor. So I'm not sure what... what what the duties were separated here and it's a little hard with the dialogue i don't i don't tell a difference but i'm kind of thinking maybe uh the second part of this story had uh, some leo dorfman in it of 168 the, the the san francisco part but just an amazing an amazing story for 1963 to take place with this kind of continuity to pick up from one issue to another to another over time and space and carry the story through. It's just a great, great story. And it shows a different relationship. It shows the cunningness of Lex Luthor, but it also shows the obsession of Lex Luthor. Lex has the possibility of living life happily ever after as a superhero on the planet Lexor, but could not let his obsessive, his, his, his obsession with ending Superman, go. He just couldn't let it go. How could he be happy on this planet as long as Superman is alive? Wow. Things are um, pretty amazing. One thing about this is that, that Mort Weisinger liked stories where Superman lost his powers. And many times throughout this whole saga, Superman is without his power. Just terrific. Great artwork throughout Kurt Swan telling a great story with the artwork. Um, the emotions again on Luther's fate. Well, on all of them. The, uh, if, if Swan did nothing else, he was able to do facial expressions and emotions like nobody else. Just terrific. Really, 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 really terrific. And not the least of which, historically, we find out that Lex Luthor started the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Yeah, I love this story. I love Lex Luthor. He is just a great, great villain. And as I said before, I don't think any other villain of any other hero plays as much a part of the day-to-day life as Lex Luthor does to Superman. And while Superman got the best of him a couple of times, and I love the fact that in the first part of this, Luthor was more willing to let himself be captured again to save the people of this planet. For once in his life, Lex Luthor, greatest criminal mind of our time, obsessed with Superman.
Coming up, 111 will be a special Superman Forever radio podcast featuring a spotlight on Mort Weisinger with special guest Dr. Hendry Weisinger, Hank, the son of Mort, and comic historian Arlen Schumer will both be here to talk about the history, the importance of, the input, and the contributions to the Silver Age Superman made by Mort Weisinger. That is coming up next on the Superman Forever radio podcast. So to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe. That way, boom, when it comes out, you will know. And if you want to send email regarding Lex Luthor or Brainiac or Mort Weisinger for that matter, even before the stories start, send it to bob at supermanforever.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman Magazine and Action Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Superman copyright DC Comics. All music copyrights owned by the individual copyright holders. My name is Bob Fisher.